It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. The FT. Welcome to this edition of World Weekly with me, Gideon Rachman. This week, we look at France, where the government of President François Hollande has just announced a multi-billion euro programme of public investments designed to boost the economy and the president's flagging poll ratings. The announcement comes after a turbulent few weeks in which the president has had to fire a cabinet minister for dissent and the French government has clashed repeatedly with the European Commission in Brussels. So can President Hollande turn things around? Joining me on the line from Paris is our bureau chief there, Hugh Carnegie, and here in the studio in London is Ben Hall, our former correspondent in France. Hugh, first, what's your sense? Do you think President Hollande has a chance of injecting a new sense of momentum into his government with things like this announcement on public investment? Well, I think there's increasingly an air of not quite desperation, but a real frustration that they're not able to see things moving on and getting a grip and being able to answer all the anxieties that are very evident in France right now about rising unemployment and the stalled economy, which has essentially not grown at all over the whole of the last year and more. Just the other day, the finance minister, for example, was riled by a comment from a senior businessman who was complaining about the zigzag policies of the government and sparked rather uncharacteristically into complaining that this was a facile and inelegant and comment lacking in courage. And I think that speaks to the frustration and the very deep concern within the government that they're having to fight this double battle of of getting on top of France's public finances at a time when there's absolutely no growth, which leaves them very little room for manoeuvre. Their best hope is that the Eurozone somehow cranks back into some sort of growth in the second half of the year. And there are some small signs of that. But the real frustration for them is that they really can't see any big change in this, at least for a year. And in the meantime, unemployment is rising and the popularity of Hollande and the government is falling. And politically, who's benefiting from this? I mean, we've seen Nicolas Sarkozy, the former president, now making a sort of flamboyant re-entrance into politics. Yes, this was indeed, I guess, one of the more uh, spectacular events of the of the last week or so. Uh, he had been keeping his counsel since he was defeated by Hollande just over a year ago, but everybody was speculating that he will at some point want to make a return and possibly run for the presidency again in 2017. Ironically, he was sparked into action by a, a, a very tough ruling by the Constitutional Council that he had overspent on his election campaign and that his party, the UMP, would have to to pay back 11 million euros. So he then came out and, and made a very flashy, uh, very Sarkoist reappearance for one day only, which was really a demonstration that as far as the UMP is concerned, which has been in a certain amount of chaos really since uh, he left the scene, that he is really the only compelling figure. Uh, he was cheered by supporters of the UMP when he reappeared, and the opinion polls show him amongst UMP supporters to be overwhelmingly still the most popular leader. But it's not necessarily a sign of strength for the UMP, as Sarkozy is still not very popular on the national stage. And meanwhile, a sense of great concern both to the socialists of Hollande and to the UMP, the national front of Marine Le Pen on the far right is making inroads by the day. 
Now, Ben, you were there and covered uh, Sarkozy through most of his time in the Elysee. What's your sense? Is is he too tarnished a figure to come back? Because in some ways he seems a more colourful and dynamic figure and those qualities grow by the day compared to the relatively lacklustre President Hollande. Well, I think Sarkozy certainly looks... He looks like a more decisive figure who stamped his authority on the party, who actually got things done, where, whereas Hollande looks like a, an indecisive president at the mercy of events. But actually, in a way, what's curious is how little has changed over the last couple of years. So you have a president who's deeply unpopular, struggling with a weak or contracting economy. You also have a centre-left leader who is indecisive and uh, struggling to really impose his own direction on a party which still tacks very heavily to the left. As you mentioned, there is all this talk of a revival of the far right and of a far right political threat. But again, this is a bit of a perennial theme in French politics, isn't it? I mean, back in 2002, I think Marine Le Pen's father came second in the presidential election. Do you think it's more serious this time? Do you think there is a chance of a real far right breakthrough? We have been at this juncture many times before in the sense that uh, there's been fears that the far right would make big inroads in regional elections and uh, local elections, and they never quite did it. I suppose this time there is there is quite a big difference, which is that the alternative, the, the socialist alternative to Sarkozy has also been deemed a bit of a failure and actually... Partly for the same reasons, the room for manoeuvre for French governments is so heavily constrained by European rules and frameworks and everything else. And the second thing is, is that um, the reason why this time might be different is that actually the phenomenon of the far right in France looks part of a much broader European picture, which is that we're likely to see populist anti-establishment parties doing pretty well in next year's European elections in many countries across Europe. And, and Hugh, I mean, Ben mentions the extent to which any French government is hemmed in by rules from Brussels. One gets a sense that they're chafing even more than usual with these public clashes with the president of the commission, Mr. Barroso. I mean, that kind of thing is, is fairly standard in British politics. But it feels like a bit of a departure for the French to be so relentlessly negative in their tone towards Brussels. Well, I think what it tells you is that the commission and Mr. Barroso at the current juncture is a soft target for the French left to express its frustrations and indeed those within the the French government who sympathize with the left because it is portrayed in France perennially as being uh, of the neoliberal right, the current commission, and because the commission itself will be replaced in a year's time, there's really nothing to be lost at all if you're on the French left from giving it a good kicking. But as I say, what it really expresses is this concern back at home on the part of the government particularly that the kinds of policies they're essentially forced to push through, that is cuts in welfare, which are coming next year, cuts in other public spending, reforms of things like the pension system, which are extremely unpopular to the left, but are nonetheless having to be pushed through by a left of centre government. What these attacks on Barroso and the commission really show is that the government is trying to signal to its supporters that it, that it understands the pain. And is Barroso in some ways a surrogate for, for the German government, which would be much more sensitive to start attacking Angela Merkel? But my sense is that standing behind the commission's insistence on the 3% budget targets and on austerity and budget balance and all that is, is the German government. Of course, there is that element. Uh, it's interesting that there were some fairly outspoken attacks 
directly, not just aimed at the German government, but personally at Chancellor Angela Merkel herself in previous months by leading figures and by the Socialist Party itself, notably in a draft document on European policy a couple of months ago. Since then, Hollande has, I think, moved very clearly to rein that in. They've realized that actually having a kind of public fallout with the German government, even in an election year in Germany, is maybe not very sensible. And there has been a concerted effort at the top, at least, to give an impression that they are now working more closely and more harmoniously with Berlin. But of course, it's true that particularly, again, on the left in France, you have this very, very clearly expressed feeling that, that the policies that come from Brussels are ultimately effectively dictated by Berlin. A good deal of the Brussels bashing and Berlin bashing is, as you say, huge displacement activity, isn't it? Isn't it? It's, it's essentially France's inability to come up with a model for renewing its economy and, and actually renewing its politics. I mean, I go back to the point that I just made. It's, it's amazing that they still seem incapable of finding new political leaders and new political ideas. And when you think they're harking back to Sarkozy and Hollande himself, of course, has led the Socialist Party or been its secretary general for over a decade. It's a sort of systemic cultural problem that France has, and it just doesn't seem able to break out of. I think that's true. And I think that also, to some degree, plays into the hands of Marine Le Pen. She's not exactly a newcomer. After all, she succeeded her father at the head of the party. But she does offer something that is very starkly different from the establishment in Paris or even the perceived failed attempt at Sarkozy to do something different. And that, I think, also explains part of her appeal at the moment. I must say that when I was last in France, I was very struck, perhaps because I'd come from Spain, where they really are in trouble. You know, the unemployment's much higher. The economy is doing even worse. By an almost exaggerated sense, it seemed to me, sense of French anxiety about the situation. But some people said to me, well, it's it's because, partly for the reasons you've been talking about, Ben, that this has been going on so long, there's no fresh ideas, either in politics or in the economy, in the sense that a crisis is building up, that at some point, something's going to go snap, perhaps because the debt gets too high or unemployment gets too high. Is that your feeling, Ben? Or do you think that France can go on in this way, this rather familiar sort of unhappy way, but without a sort of intense crisis for some time to come? I mean, the contrast is a good one, isn't it? Spain is actually going through fairly wrenching economic change and appears to be getting on with it, albeit with a lot of human suffering, if you like. But France's problem is that it can't make steady incremental change. Uh, Its its economy has many strengths. Its public administration has many strengths. It needs to find ways of slightly reducing the cost and becoming slightly more flexible, in which case it could really emerge as a, as a sort of strong country. But it's it's that inability to make really quite marginal changes that it's so worrying in some ways. Hugh, perhaps I could end with you and ask you that sort of possibly big and unanswerable question. But do you think that the French in the end will be able to find a way through this, for, reform their way out of it, and this is just a sort of a slough of despond? Or do you buy this idea that they're heading for some kind of big economic or political showdown? Well, I think if you talk to government ministers here, part of their frustration is that they feel they're not getting credit for beginning to really make some changes. I think the test of that, to some degree, is still to come. But I think it's very clear, however, 
that Hollande's approach is very much an incremental one. He'll make little reforms here and there that he can do so without causing a great public upset. Don't forget, France is a place where, you know, when people come onto the street, they really come onto the street and can pretty much hold the economy hostage for weeks at a time if it takes the mood. And that's something he's desperately trying to avoid. So part of the frustration here is that, on the government's part, is that they feel they are making the kinds of changes that they have to albeit not as spectacularly as, as some people would like, but the fruits are not going to be felt for some time. I think what will be critical will be the degree to which there is some kind of cyclical uplift in the economy, which of course will be, have to be a wider phenomenon than just France, over the next six to nine months. If the economy does begin to pick up a little bit and the French government sticks to the reforms that it is willing to push through, then they might muddle through. But if circumstances turn against them, if we move into another crisis phase in, in the Eurozone, then I think France is going to be very much in the front line and, and we could be looking at a, at a very difficult situation. Hugh Carnegie in Paris, thank you very much indeed. And thanks also to Ben Hall here in the studio in London. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.